Jules, what's up, bro? You ready to play? Braves. Coaching's overrated, bro. I know you still got it, Randy. Let's get back to playing. Teddy, West, Ocho Cinco. I guess I'll just play online. Growing up in Brockton, it was easy to get into trouble. Keeping yourself busy was key. Even if you were a good kid, you're known for the company you keep. So depending on yourself was something you needed to learn early. Never let them take advantage of you. That fight in you was always there. I've had plenty of fights. Life changes were your biggest battle. Giving up was out of the question. If you felt tired, you pushed through it. These days, I use my anger for a greater cause. Trust is earned out here. Not everyone is looking out for your best interests. You have to be alert and aware of your surroundings at all times. The weak are preyed on. Teeth are sharper, my ears are even sharper. You have to show how strong you are, both mentally and physically. Prove them wrong. Not everyone makes it out of the city. But an inner city kid getting home, that's what's taken for granted. Some leave when things get tough. But there are still some that stay to make a difference. Tough times make tough people. I've seen things go from bad to worse. People not being held accountable. Others not taking responsibility for their actions. I've spoken up when they didn't have a voice. When public safety was an issue, I took action. When they needed help, I lended a hand. I do things for a better tomorrow. Changes we can all be proud of. Hi, I'm Mike Smith, candidate for Ward 4 City Council. On September 14th, vote for me, and I'll continue to fight for the city. Are you in my corner? So, yeah, I saw on the boat, so I jump inside the water. I jump, I'm hey guys. So, uh, what's going on, huh? This is Sean and Polly, they're wildlife photographers. Well, photojournalists. But we do a lot of work in <laughs> Africa and the Amazon. Well, Rolf manages a bowling alley. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, we're in the middle of the ocean, right? And the boat Holy crap! <laughs> Man, what are you doing here? Well, I'm just having dinner with my wife. Oh, Shelly, this is my friend, Mr. Goodbar. Nice to meet you. Wow, you guys go together like peanuts and milk chocolate. Oh, my God. Who are your friends?
Staring down, looking at the blood stained concrete. You're the dead MC, flying at my feet. It took a nine millimeter rhyme straight to your mind. Damn, my better split. This is my time, so I make my way up the block. Get to home base and lock that uh. up. Crack the cavassier and grab the phone. Call one of my troops up. Hope the soldier's when he says, Yo, what's up? What's going on? Make it quick, cause I'm trying to get my stellar on. Go. Uh. You girl, I'm in the. These lyrical assassins tried to pull a hit and then boom, came a noise from the other room. It was the boys in blue with the SWAT crew. They got us locked up for lyrical murder. It's one of them charges that you never heard of. It's the booth, the booth, the booth, the booth. Yeah, it's the booth, the booth, the booth. Yeah, we're killing all your podcasts like the HIV virus. You want to battle this kid? Huh, don't even try this. Back the uh. up. Think again. Count to ten. You want to grab that mic just to get done in? It's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. Was he African? African. African. No. He was American and he was like you. He looked just like you. He was Jewish. Just Wait, like okay. you. Jew. Okay. It's an odd crime for a Jew to yeah, commit. Yeah, pretty docile. Okay, so we have an African Jew wearing a hoodie. No, you don't. No. no, that's not what I said. Is that what you heard me say? I said he looked like you. Do you look like an African Jew? No, I look like a cop. Yeah. <sighs> he was Caucasian. All right, it's your boy, Citizen One, broadcasting live from the City of Champions. You are listening to The Booth. It is August 17th, 2021. And as you guys saw us before we came in, um, you saw our PSA, which is featuring my guest over to the left. But I got to thank my special guests from last week, Ken Diesenhoff and Robert Resnick, Ken Diesel, R Squared who were regulars on the booth. Now they've done uh, doing a one-month duty. So every first uh, Tuesday of the month, these guys come on the show. But actually, later in the night, our squid is coming on here because there's something that can't wait till the next first Tuesday of the month to talk about. And that is the situation that's going on in Afghanistan. Robert Resnick is a retired U.S. colonel. Uh, he was also a JAG officer. He's been on this show for many years. Uh, when he comes on here, he doesn't pull any punches. He's really going to speak from the heart and from, from pretty much experience. He did a couple of tours over there, so he knows exactly what's going on. So you want to make sure you stay on this. Later on in the show, also, we have Ward 7 candidate, Bree Nichols. She's going to be on the show. But looking over to my left, as you guys can see, already on with us, ready to go, and making me feel underdressed over here. <laughs> Yo, because every time I usually see Mike Smith over here, Mike Smith is usually, you know, relaxed, you know, jeans, whatever. You know, he's out cleaning, doing, and now he comes on the show tonight, and this dude's in a suit with a black button-up making me look bad, bro. It's a different hat. <laughs> a different hat without a hat on. Oh, man, he coming on here looking real clean, looking real smooth, got the beard, probably ran the comb through the beard before coming on here. Put the product on. <laughs> Put the product on. <laughs> let, him know about, let, let him know about that product before we get into this politician talk. 
Uh, let's see. Shed when I'm dead is a, a organic beard product, beard balm, beard oil, different scents made locally. Uh, no chemicals, no salts. I'm the owner. And and beards have become beard etiquette and beard cleanliness has become right. huge in these last right. like three to five years. Why do? You, why is that? That it's it's crazy. I mean. The cleanliness is, is is a is a mandatory and it's a need. Uh, there's always been a thing where like dirts, uh, beards are dirty, this and this and that. No, they're not. They're, they're cleaner than people's heads. Uh, so what you have to use is the right product. You want a product that's not gonna have you uh, have dry skin and eczema, redness and flakiness and razor burn, bumps, all that. It helps with all that. And it's it's become a big deal because, like I said before, you know, I remember back in the day, you really wouldn't hear anything about washing beards and keeping beards. But, no. but you know, um, it, but the thing is, is men have become really feminine in the last mm. five to ten years, to be honest. And that's that's kind of somebody finally realized that you can market this stuff to men without men feeling like a woman. You right. know, back way, way back 20 years ago, you couldn't get a man to buy body wash or right. axe sprays or things like that because men would feel like, oh, man, I'm, that's too girly for me. But Put, all of a sudden in the 90s, it's it's become a big thing, right? Right. Putting this on is like putting cologne on. Yep. It's, that, it's that simple. Yeah. And and a lot of men have accepted it, and it's a new market thing. To, I, hey, I like to say it's do the Maxim Magazine because I think Maxim Magazine is when this whole thing began with right. men taking care of their hygiene and men smelling good and men shaving and using the proper products. So I want to think, I think, I think Maxim magazine, there's a big shot on that yeah. and things like the man show, but we've got Mike Smith on here. He's running for ward four city councilor. Um, that yeah. area. And I'm just going to let people know I'm very familiar with Brockton politics. I've been involved with Brockton politics since I was in junior high uh, yeah. when I was holding signs for Spillane. Um, mm. I'm going to let you talk about, cause your district that if you get elected, it's a tough district. Right. Ward 4 is an area where pretty much is the dumping ground for zoning because almost right. everything, like the power plant, um, for people who don't know, adult entertainment is also zoned for that area, which they put into place after Foxy Lady was able to get in. They turned around and changed the zoning laws and moved all adult entertainment. So anything right. new that comes would have to go down in that area. So let them know that area and what's going on. And pretty much... Let them Ward know four. what the elephant in the clo- you know elephant in the room is for Ward Four. So Ward Four is the Sahara Desert of Brockton. Uh, a lot of businesses are in that area that that are a hundred percent family. Uh, there isn't that many businesses in that area. Uh, it's very vacant lot style, uh, and the, honestly, the council that we have right now is a reason for it. Uh, and that the reason for that is when you walk into a business and you act like you own it, uh, you have no business being in there. That's not your that's not your job. You are not a code enforcer. And what you're doing is you're going into these businesses and you're making them feel like they don't even own the, the business. And when a business is dealing with that on a regular basis, that's when they take their business and they go to another town and another city and another city and town. They 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 grow with that business. They learn from that business. They they meet the owners and they and they build a relationship with them. Brockton is we need to admit when we're wrong. And we're wrong by we are not business friendly and we haven't been in years. That area of Brockton is the 
pretty much the example of, of, of the, the non-growth of Brockton business. The businesses that are there right now, I mean, there are some that are, that are ready, already ready to go. Uh, but what I want to do is I want to come in and, and, and work with these businesses. I want to hear their concerns and, and, and let them use their voice without being hesitant to to, to, to pretty much talk to a, a counselor or a city official or whoever to hear their concerns and, and, and help them uh, rather than being added to their growing list of problems, which a lot of those businesses have a, a long list of problems. Uh, I don't want to be added to that list. I've, I've helped a lot of businesses throughout the years without even having this seat. Uh, and I want to use this seat to, to do better. Uh, and like I said, I want to use things that I've done in the past to uh, pretty much prevail even more for these businesses. And, and talking about that area, that whole Ward 4, you know, for one of the reasons why that area has been hurt for so long is because we went through this big debate of the power plant. Whether you wanted right. it or not, that debate held up growth in that area because a lot it of did. businesses were like, oh, yeah, that's going to work for me if a power plant comes. But they were waiting to see if it was going to come. A lot of places were like, well, I'm not going to open up there unless it doesn't come. So a lot right. of people waited on that business deal to not fall through so they could open up. So we lost a lot of deals with we other businesses who would have supported it, whether it was built or not. Also, you um, you know, you have High Point that's down there. Yep. And you know that sometimes that's an eyesore. Sometimes that brings problems to businesses. And a lot of people don't even realize that we have Sydney's Kitchen down there, which has been mm -hmm. making dressing, salad dressing for years right. here in Brockton. You very mm -hmm. rarely hear Sydney's Kitchen even get mentioned around here in a positive it's crazy like i'm like right. we have all these solid long-term brockton businesses but nobody ever pays anything to them only I, the only thing people know down there is ups and, and, right. and i and think the it. i think the a big problem that we have is we don't as a city we don't market the businesses that we do have uh at all i mean there's no promo we don't hear the good that we actually have out here and i think another problem that we another main actually i think with the with the businesses leaving or not coming in, I think is a, another big issue with city hall. I think with city hall, city hall has hurt more businesses than that power plant. That city hall is, is, is the, the attitude when you walk in the attitude, when you, when you make phone calls to them or, or the one, they don't even pick up the phone up at, at all in either way. So it's like, they have hurt a lot of businesses uh, right at the right at the door, they stop them right then and there, or they make them jump through hoops. There's breakfast, Heidi's breakfast place, where they take two, three years to open up their doors. A breakfast place. Now, mind you, that breakfast place didn't change anything besides the name itself. And it still took them more than two years to open the doors. It's a breakfast place. What do they need? Permits that they already had? Like I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of counselors that that were, that were doing a lot of backdoor deals. A lot of side hustle, a lot of uh, what can you do for me, and a lot of that stuff needs to go. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not here to please this per, a certain person in order for, for a business to come. I want as many businesses as possible for the city. And like I said, the the first step is is actually building relationships with these businesses. The next step is actually cleaning the city up and making it more presentable. The city itself is a dump zone. A lot of these, a lot of these. These, these buildings and these lots are, are vacant. And when they're vacant, it's nothing but trash. And, and it's a lot of dump zone. So at that point, we need to get all departments involved 
and that includes uh, the building inspectors, the the health health uh, uh, board of health, and, and and all the city inspectors to, to come there as well to to make sure that properties are maintaining their properties. The owners need to maintain. Uh, and if they're not going to listen, then we, you have to hit them with a fine. Take that money and put it towards other locations that don't have an owner to, to maintain and clean up those. If you have if you have three properties and two of them are vacant and you have the middle one that has an owner. If both these properties are nothing but trash, that business is only going to stay for so long. And if they or if they they pretty much leave trash on their properties, they, they know that nothing's going to be done about it because the other properties are left like that. So it's like. When, when, when the wrist doesn't get slapped, it's going to keep on happening. And it turns into a chain, a, a chain of events. Well, I'm going to talk about two elephants in the room since you just mentioned a couple of them. One of them, um, City Hall. And, yep. you know, it, it does need some changes because I keep hearing the same complaints over and over again about customer service and the way some people have dealt with at City Hall. Yep. I've dealt with some good people at City Hall. Um, I, I actually to. I've actually uh, I let out a humongous secret. Uh, two weeks ago on this show in regards to City Hall and, and something personal to me. Um, people didn't know that I was one of the people that was in the top five of the discrimination case uh, with Mr. Lopes. So that mm. was a big secret that was let out on this show because I've kept that very quiet. Right. Um, I had a relationship with New England Patriot Patrick Pass. Um, and Patrick Pass had come here to do an event for the junior boxers and mm. we needed to utilize the Brockton High School. And the amount of hoops and the way that he was treated by some people, certain people in the school department, was just horrendous to the point where it messed up my relationship with him. Yep. And he will, and he would never come back here probably to do business ever, ever again to the point where, you know, we went down to Brockton High to do this event, and, you know, we thought he, he paid for the field. He paid for the field at full cost because they didn't want to have a discount so all kids could come. And right. then on top of it, we had two coaches acting like thugs who wouldn't let him use the footballs or the equipment to hold the camp. So he's like, you know what? He jumped in his car, went down to the sports store, bought $200 of football and brought them back. And I was so embarrassed and so upset at this. It was the most ugliest thing that I had ever seen. It's um, all about first impression. Yep. And and the other we just ruined that. And the other elephant in the room that you were just talking about um, that I, I, I is the trash in the city. And I and, and here's my opinion on the trash in the city and what needs to be revisited. And, I, and I've said this a lot on Brockton Hub and people don't really seem to get it. The trash contract, the, tr the trash contract needs to be reevaluated. There are things that get changed in this contract every time it's renewed. So a lot mm -hmm. of people don't realize that. Recently, when this contract was renewed, the length of couches dropped from 72 inches to 60 inches. Yep. That's a love seat. So in right. other words, anytime anybody puts a full-size couch out, guess what? It's not getting picked up. It's going to get an orange sticker on there. And then when people get tired of it sitting outside their house, they're going to dump it in the empty lot. Anywhere. And, that's, and, that's, and that right there is the biggest problem in the nutshell because right. this company has been holding Brockton hostage for many, many years. I've made the trash barrels work for me. They work for my house because I've been recycling for years. But right. again, that that's something, not just your ward, that's something as a city councilor, everybody city. needs to say, hey, let's Come let's get on this. Yeah, yeah. Because I think the, the res I have, trash-wise, I have no problem. 
I, I recycle a lot. Uh, I, I feel like the the recycled uh, barrel fills up a lot faster. Yes, I think does. that when it fills so when it fills up so fast, and we a lot of the time too is we have a lot of windy days, and when this thing. I'm not just saying I'm not saying for mine, but I'm saying in general, if you're driving down the street when it's trash day, these hoods they're coming up, and the and the the trash is just flowing out of them. So it's like that trash alone is flowing down the street. I think the the city needs to have a regular time basis of uh, street sweepers, because if you're driving down the road and if you just look at the curb, it's nothing but plastic, metal. It, uh, broken pieces of, of cars, nip bottles. And that's another thing I want to go after is nip I, bottles. I think I think springtime is the only time I see the street sweepers out in Brockton, and that's it. And to be honest, the other people who need to pick up stuff. I've seen them three accidents. times this year. Well, the other thing, too, people don't realize. Uh, tow companies, it's their responsibility to clean up after car accidents. A lot of times these tow companies, Yo. they get paid by how many cars they tow. So they hook and go, and a lot right. of these tow companies are not sweeping up the glass or picking up the parts. There has to be a way to hold them accountable. And, yep. I mean, I get it. I get it. Lynches in all these places, they're short-staffed. It's a busy yep. environment. But, again, there at is least, that responsibility there to clean up it, that it, stuff. At least pick up the broken glass and, 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 and the, the, the plastic and the big pieces. I get it, it, the main thing is to toss around the sand for any oil spills or gasoline spills and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's like anytime an accident happens, it is literally shattered glass everywhere. And they are not sweeping up. They are not. Uh, another thing, too, is if you look, especially right now, uh, a lot of these sidewalks, the grass – is literally up. It, it's it, there's there's some grass that's taller than me right now. <laughs> like, I, actually, right down the street, there's a there's a uh, there's a fire hydrant, and literally the grass is is so tall and thick around that fire hydrant, you can't even see the fire hydrant. Now, did that rule change? Because I know fire hydrants now. I know when it snows, it's the responsibility right. of the homeowner. Right. But what about with gra- but what about with the grass? Like you said, does that fall under the resident or no? It's just the snow. Well, depending on the way these sidewalks are, uh, that's that's all city. If right. it, now if 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 that grass is literally right in front of your house, and yeah, that's the that's the homeowner. But th- if you looked at like if you go down these main roads, I'm even saying these main roads that don't have the business owner or the resident, that grass that needs to be cut. That's DPW. Yeah, and I and I tell everybody C Click Fix app. I'm on. I've been on the C Click Fix app since I had the owner I have been on, on this show. The owner was I on this some, show. I I like the app. I like the purpose of it. Uh, I think sometimes certain stamps and accountability. Certain claims go to the wrong departments. I think sometimes they're working uh, on they, it. As long as they tweak that up, I think I think the app will work a lot better. I think it needs that also needs to be promoted more too because a lot of people don't even know what it is. And that's uh, sad because I had the owner of that on this show. And this mm-hmm. was – C-Click Fix was before Bill Carpenter was even in office. And we had the owner on this that. show. Yeah, and it's been there. And I'll tell you right now, I've used it for a lot, and stuff has been answered within 24, 48 hours. So Same. I like it is because it creates a time stamp of when you send it in, and you can put your pictures in there. And then Proof it holds accountability. It's accountability. You know, yep. now you take a picture of a pothole – and if the portal's there three weeks later and somebody's car gets damaged, now you've got that proof that they yeah, always right. say you don't have. It's it like, right hey, there. I re- yeah, exactly. So I right. I love it. I love it, and um, it's it's great. Is is I like I said, I like it as long as they, they clean up some of the hiccups on it. I think it would work even better. And, and and getting the word out there is definitely key. 
Nice. So before we let you go, this is a quick, quick 10, 15 minutes, man. Um, let them know how they can follow you, get in touch with you, um, how they can support your cause. Uh, they can jump on Facebook. Uh, I'm on City Council, Mike Smith for City Council Award 4. Uh, and or Mike Smith, my personal page. I'm easy to contact. Uh, my, my phone number is 774-240-2417. It's all, pers- it's all personal information now. I mean, once you're on, they, 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 you have to have that so they can get in contact with you, especially residents. Cool. Like I said, cool. my, main three, my main three things is accountability, growth, and safety. And I'm going to be pushing those heavy. And we've got the primaries, and then we've got the you know the regular vote nope, that's going to be no primary. Oh, no primary no for prim- you guys this year. No primary for me. Okay, all right. Straight to November. Straight to November for you. Oh, so yep. you're going to be grinding right to November. Oh, it, it more footwork, more more door to door. The only thing that hurts that is, is the the COVID numbers going higher now. Uh, but as long as it's using your platforms and, and doing what you can with the door to door, I mean, it can still you can still make it work. All right, what's going on, Matty C Sports for you and me? I see you in there. Hey, these guys, uh, Mike Smith is on with us. Again, he's running for Ward 4 City Council. Check him out. We're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back, and I believe Rob Resnick is going to be checking with us to talk about this Afghanistan stuff. So hold on. We'll be right back with more booth after this. Boston is small, you know, very small. So you got gangs on every street. As long as I'm good with these right here, I don't give a about nobody. Gotta check the bushes, you know what I'm saying? Gotta make sure ain't no new cars on the block, all that man, you know what I'm saying? We definitely on point. Gotta be cautious, man, where I come from, man. If not, I'll be on Channel 7 News, man. We, we lost our first friend at 15. He died at 15. 2004, lost another one. 2005, lost another one. 2006, lost two more. What I do isn't a job. I have to make sure this kid doesn't get killed. I didn't have nobody that could tell me, Al, you know, selling drugs is bad, stealing is bad, being in the gang is bad. I feel like his life is like a repeat of my life. It's not normal for a young man to be shot. Like, that's not normal. These young men really need to see, you know, that positive image of who they really could be. We have to teach the young brothers and sisters in our community what it means to live. Look at you. 
Look at you. The only reason why you're not in jail is because Uncle Phil called in a favor. Take your time. Go deep. Too easy. You throw this? You're stupid. carrying a gun on the streets to protect yourself? I've done my best, Will. But it's time for a change. You're going to Bel Air to live with your uncle and your auntie. Bel Air, out of all places. This is a second chance, Will. Don't waste it. Will, I will not bail you out again. In this house, I'm not Uncle Phil. I'm the law. Have I made myself absolutely clear? Yeah. Yeah. There are no butlers to clean up your messes. You've got to be responsible for yourself. So, Will, what brings you to Bel Air? I uh, caught with a gun. How are we related again? Shut up, Carlton. He's from the streets of Philadelphia. Will needs discipline. Just a little time. Just a little time and a little love. We are what he needs. Why don't you go back to Philly? Born and raised, right? You think I would ever want to be in this life? You're not welcome, Will. This is fake. Wherever you're from, this is fake. You didn't do anything to earn this. I never had nothing. My life ain't a sitcom, I guess. I don't even feel like I belong here. Just give it some time. Everything happens for a reason. Yo, you must be from Philly. Yeah. What's up, man? I'm Will. Jazz. Jazz. Hey, so what part of town you staying in? Bel Air. They got you out there? All right, Philly. Let's see what you got. Well, welcome to Bel Air Academy. How's everything going at Bel Air? Not too bad out here. I just made the team. I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad you're here. I need to take you shopping. Rodeo Drive. Oh my gosh. Prince, you can go here? Nah. <laughs> All right, your boy, since one broadcasting live from the City of Champions, you are listening to The Booth. And I'm actually not going to get into my sponsors and stuff yet because I've got my guy on here, Robert Resnick, U.S. Retired Army Colonel, JAG officer. And I really couldn't wait till the first Tuesday of September to have these guys come on and have Robert come on uh, to talk about this because this is this is very pertinent news. This is right here. It's in our faces. 
Um, Rob kind of wanted to touch base on it on Tuesday. We didn't get a chance to get to it. And at that time, it was kind of in its infant stages as to how it was starting. But now, you know, over the weekend, it's, it's blown up. This whole situation in Afghanistan, the Taliban has taken over. Um, and, and, and it's the weird thing about this is, is that there, I'm going to just get into my Biden bombshells and we're just going to go right through it. So first of all, in the Biden bombshells, there's no surge. No, the surge in COVID cases across the U.S. is not due to migrants or immigrants because Fox News and some of these outlets are spinning this whole thing that the COVID cases from the Delta variant that's coming up is because of the migrants and immigrants from these different countries. That's not true. It's, it's, let's use common sense, people. If it really was, um, then we wouldn't have people getting it way up north, out west, northeast. It'd be pretty much strictly down south. Um, this is just craziness. Again, the, you know, NBC News, CDC is every, is telling everybody to stop with this foolishness. Get just kind of use common sense. I see Rob shaking his head here. It's well, just you know, the same rhetoric. Yeah, you know, if I could say one, here's what it is, right? We all know what the Republican ad campaign for 2022 is going to be, and they'll probably try to use it for 24 as well. But for the midterms, it's all going to be about the border, and it's now also going to be about Afghanistan. Most of what they say will not be true. Not that the Biden administration has handled these two issues perfectly. They have not. And so there's some issues there, but they'll certainly exploit it and use the attack ads and all that. The bottom line is whatever may have gone right or wrong at the border under the last two administrations, uh, it, it it has the, the the COVID issue that we're facing has nothing to do with those coming across the border. Nothing whatsoever. There are other issues relative to that, and we've talked about it on the show, and we'll probably talk about it in the future. That's but right. it has nothing to do with COVID. But Ron DeSantis of Florida, uh, Governor Abbott of Texas, and some of these other front runners or people who think they're front runners, this is what they want to load up on for next year, and so. They're going to keep pushing the false narrative. That's all. It's crazy. And as you mentioned, Greg Abbott, uh, Governor Abbott over there in Texas, he actually contradicted COVID-19. But guess what, people? He's vaccinated. Whoa, how funny is that? He is vaccinated. They've been pushing this whole agenda, and now you find out that he's actually vaccinated. So anybody who's in Texas, it's craziness. Again, You know what's interesting? Texas and Florida, right, two of the worst governors in the country, especially when it comes to COVID, they've refused, they've made it, they've they've taken away the authority of local jurisdictions to do what's necessary, all these things that they've done, right? They have two of the worst situations with the spread of COVID and an overflow of hospitals and, and just two of the worst situations in the country, right? They're both begging the federal government for aid. Texas is begging the federal government to send morgues. They need morgue trucks to come down because they can't handle the number of dead people in their hospitals because of their own policies. And the federal government has to bail them out. Same thing for Florida. Florida has been asking for federal aid from uh, from the, you know, from the, from the government. And of course, Biden's going to do it because it's the right thing for the people of those two states, right. even though both of those governors have have prevented any reasonable safety measures. I mean, it's it's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It goes back to the, hypocr- the hypocrisy that's got me all pissed off right now. So moving on in the in the booth. Uh, so as we talked about, uh, the Taliban has taken over Afghanistan. Uh, for those who remember, uh, during Trump's term, Trump had cut a deal with the Taliban that you know even you know the top intelligence said this isn't a good deal. We got to got to watch it, you know. And the Taliban has now taken over Afghanistan. They announced amnesty, and they're so so. Say like WWE when you have a bad guy who's been a heel for so long, 
then all of a sudden they turn and they become face. That's kind of what the Taliban is doing right now. It's a hard sell when you've just taken over the country by force and then say, no, we're not here. We've changed our tune. We want women to join our ranks after beheading and stoning and keeping women down for ages. We're supposed to believe that you're going to allow this. I mean, your thoughts, you were over there. You know how the Taliban operates, how this, how this, how they work over there. They're they're It's craziness. Well, look, there's nothing positive to say about the Taliban, except I will say this one thing. They had tactical patience. They knew all along that at some point the United States would leave and all they had to do was hide. And remember, they didn't hide in Afghanistan. They were hiding in Pakistan and other countries. So it was impossible for U.S. troops to reach them for the most part. And they were playing the long game, which is something that we have never been able to do in the United States, because, you know, we don't want to stay places very long. We want results. We don't want to spend the money. We don't want to spend the time. We don't want to risk the lives of people. And and so we can't play the long game. But societies like, you know, in Afghanistan and specifically with the Taliban, they do. China plays the long game. They're willing to sacrifice for decades, knowing that they might win in the end, where in the United States, we need instant results for the next election cycle. So it's, it's a flaw in the way that we think and the way that we plan. But there. The issue is is this. I don't know how many people listened to President Biden's speech yesterday, and certainly not live because it was during the day. It was about four o'clock. People may have been working or otherwise busy. It was an excellent speech. And it was it was an excellent speech in the sense that it was genuine to what he believed and what he's been saying for 20 years. It's genuine in that he accepted responsibility. It's genuine in that he set out what his policy was. The biggest mistake in his speech was he didn't address the pressing issue in the minds of the American people right now or or those who have served, which is why didn't we plan better to get the translators and other people who worked with U.S. forces at great sacrifice to themselves? Why didn't we do a better job of planning to get them out. And he didn't address that in his speech. And that was a major flaw. And I can't imagine it was an accident. So those who wrote the speech and worked with him on it, they obviously plan to simply not address it. He has addressed it in other ways, but not in that speech. And other representatives of his administration uh, and some other other talking heads have been talking about it today in, in, in a very realistic way, not saying that they did everything right. They didn't, but they're talking very realistically about some of it. But what's left or what's really at issue is this whole thing with Afghanistan falls under about four different things. The first one is the fact that President Trump made an agreement with the Taliban in February of 2020, okay, a year and a half ago. And this was his agreement. He invited the Taliban. They met Um, There were a lot of things in that agreement that I would not have agreed with. I did agree with the framework. I agreed that we needed, I think he was right, that there needed to be an agreement that led to a U.S. withdrawal. Unfortunately, the president's naivete about military and foreign policy uh, left a lot to be desired. Uh, But nevertheless, in February of 2020, he made an agreement with the Taliban that there would be a ceasefire and the United States would be out by May 1st of 2021. So that was several months ago. And if the United States was not out by May 1st of 2021, then the Taliban had, I guess, under the agreement anyway, they had the right to commence attacks against U.S. forces and U.S. personnel, whatever, U.S. interests. And uh, and so, you know, I I don't know how they came about with that time frame, but but that's what they agreed upon was May 1st of, of 2021. So when the Biden administration took office in January, and remember, there was no transition. 
Remember all the nonsense going mm-hmm. on with Trump's election stealing and what have you. So there was no transition. And this would have been a critical area where there needed to be transition, but there wasn't. And so it wasn't until the mid to late January or even early February when people like Secretary Austin, the Secretary of Defense, the National Security Advisor, other people uh, were able to start getting involved and reviewing these agreements and, and reviewing our strategy and what have you. Not that they hadn't thought about it, but to be able to really work on it. So the May 1st deadline became unrealistic uh, just because of the change of administration and there's no way to do a withdrawal like that. However, President Biden was correct in his decision to, to carry out the agreement that, at least in its essence, that Trump had made because it was the right overall strategy. In other words, the United States needed to be out of Iraq, uh, excuse me, out of Afghanistan, Iraq too, but, but Afghanistan. And because uh, after 20 years, it's enough. Uh, we, 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 we would have achieved, well, we'll talk about what we achieved and what we didn't achieve in a moment. Uh, but, but there was this binding agreement that, you know, he could have pulled us out of the agreement. He could have told the Taliban, forget it. But the problem is, as part of the agreement, Trump performed the agreement before the Taliban did, before there was a transition of government. And so what happened was uh, Trump uh, lowered the U.S. force presence to 2,500 troops. All right. So when Biden took over, there are only 2,500 U.S. forces in Afghanistan. And so if the Taliban had started attacking on May 1st because we hadn't withdrawn or at any time after that, uh, we did not have the troop strength. I mean, we, we, you know, I'm not saying that the Taliban could have won because our troops are much better trained, equipped and able than the Taliban on their best day. But nevertheless, they would have been grossly outnumbered, especially if they had to be spread out around the country. And so. President Biden was left with, I think, the correct policy, which was to to go forward with the Trump agreement, but he needed more time to be able to do it properly as far as getting getting our forces out and getting our personnel out. The mistake, and we'll talk about this at the end, was, of course, what to do with the interpreters and other Afghan nationals that worked with us. And that was that's the big mistake out of all this. But we'll get to that last because that's the big issue right now. Nevertheless, Trump, you know, he he followed through on the agreement before he left office. He reduced our forces to 2,500. He also freed over 5,000 Taliban fighters as part of that. Okay, and the only thing he had from the Taliban was their word that they would honor the agreement. In other words, not attack us until May 1st of 2021. And so. uh, you know, you could say what you want about the agreement, but that was the essence of the agreement. And all the Republicans, with just a few exceptions like Lindsey Graham, uh, were in lockstep with President Trump on this. They all supported the plan, all of them, with just a couple of exceptions. And now you have this tremendous hypocrisy where they're all claiming that uh, this this withdrawal was was wrong and it's devastating and it's this, that and the other thing. But meanwhile, they all agreed on it when Trump did it. And Biden didn't do anything. He actually he delayed it. If anything, he, 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 he did less than what Trump was going to do because he delayed it. And he was faced with the idea that either we would have to surge back thousands, I mean, tens of thousands of troops back in to refight the Taliban after May 1st, or he would have to try to get the withdrawal started and, and have the Taliban extend the ceasefire for a few months to let us get out. And that's what he chose to do. And it was the right answer, because otherwise we would have to send back a large number, tens of thousands of forces to start the war all over again. So I'm tired of the Republican hypocrisy, and I mean the congressional Republicans that are you know, pretending to cry over this. 
when they completely supported the whole thing. And I will tell you one last thing. The Trump agreement with the Taliban did not care one ounce about these interpreters and other brave Afghan nationals, Afghan citizens that helped United States forces. The Trump administration didn't want them coming to the United States, and these Republicans don't want them in the United States. And you can you could speculate as to why, but it goes back to their immigration policy. So they didn't give a darn about these brave Afghan citizens that helped us that deserve much better from that administration and better than what they're getting right now. So that's the first issue. The second issue is Afghan, Afghanistan was a failed or failing nation. The national government never worked. It was 20 years, multiple elections, multiple administrations, and all they had to show for it was rampant corruption. Every person elected president of Afghanistan and the senior government officials stole the money that the U.S. was sending over there that was supposed to be used for all the things that the, the national government was supposed to do, building their institutions, supporting the people, supporting projects, infrastructure, military, all these things. That money was all stolen. And President Biden, going back to when he was a senator, going back to when he was vice president, going back to his days on the campaign trail, was furious about that. That's why he has not liked the Afghan national government for the entire time, because of the corruption issue, because they were stealing the I mean, we spent billions of dollars in direct aid to them. We spent trillions of dollars on our efforts in the country, and all they did was steal it. They never built the government institutions that were necessary for the government to be effective. They never got the support of the Afghan people. The people didn't want the centralized government. They never did. They have been loyal for centuries to their tribal system. And that to them is their paramount uh, responsibility, their paramount loyalty. That's what they care about. They didn't care. They didn't even pay attention to the national government, except for the fact that they hated it because they were aware of the corruption ineptitude, corruption, and whatever you want to call it. And so that was never going to work. That was a failed state. Then you look at the Afghan National Army, 20 years almost of training by the United States forces. Here's the problem. You would think after 20 years, they would be ready to do the job. Well, through some of it is their own fault, but a lot of it is not. You had generations of illiteracy in Afghanistan. Remember their education system or lack thereof. Most of the people who were joining the Afghan military did so by necessity. Economically, it was, their, it was one of very few options for them to support themselves and their families. Most of them were illiterate, which meant it was very difficult for them to understand the training and use the equipment we were providing for them and follow the training and what have you. Many of them were inept, and I don't mean that to be pejorative, it's just, it's true, they were just inept. They were not up to the task of learning the military training. And in some cases, they simply weren't committed. It was a paycheck and nothing more, and they weren't committed to, to the mission, to the training, to fighting the Taliban, to fighting <clears throat> whatever the national security interest of their government was. So that was, a, that was a big issue. They also had logistics failures. In some of the more remote areas, because of the corruption and otherwise, a lot of the logistics that were supposed to be pushed out to the Afghan National Army never made it there because it was siphoned off. The money was never spent on their stuff. It was stolen or, or was siphoned off by, by you know, regional leaders. Uh, but whatever the cause of it was, you had, you had uh, you know, units of the Afghan National Army in remote locations that didn't get the fuel they needed to operate their vehicles, didn't get the ammunition they needed for their weapons, didn't get the food they needed to survive, and didn't even get their paychecks. Can you imagine anybody in this country continuing to do their job under those conditions? 
No. And so in those particular situations, you can understand that maybe they weren't willing to do their job uh, because for, for months they, they didn't have the ability to do that. Now, is that the reason they didn't fight the Taliban? I'm not going to go that far because I will tell you this. If they were a otherwise capable military unit and they didn't have the logistics they needed to fight, what would they do? They would withdraw. They wouldn't desert. What the Afghan army did was desert. Some of them actually switched sides and joined the Taliban, but they deserted. They left their equipment there. They left their weapons there. They left everything there and ran. That's not what you do if you're otherwise prepared to fight, but just don't have the logistics. You would have withdrawn. You would have taken your equipment. You would have gone to you know, a higher headquarters. You would have gone to one of the more populated areas and joined those units. And so these people were not committed. So President Biden, as much as people got <clears throat> mad at him yesterday and throughout, was right when he said the Afghan army, generally speaking, was not prepared to fight for the country. Some of them were. There were some excellent, excellent Afghan special forces units that we trained and some, some regular army units that, that were properly trained and, and committed to the fight, but the majority of them were not. And so instead of you know, instead of withdrawing to a more defensible position or joining their higher headquarters or other units, they just gave the equipment to the Taliban, they joined the Taliban, and, and otherwise they just deserted their posts. So that's not because of logistics failures, that's because, that's because they were not committed. Logic tells you that. And then, so the next thing is, after all that, uh, you know, we have 20 years of failed military strategy on our part. Now, the soldiers and and all of the people representing the United States, you know, militarily and otherwise on the ground did amazing. They were selfless. They were brave. <clears throat> they accepted the danger. They accepted the threat to themselves. No matter what type of fighting and casualties, they did a, an incredible job. They were committed to it. They still are today. But the leaders, the senior most leaders that were there in Afghanistan and in the Pentagon doing the planning and policymaking failed for about 18 years. In other words, after the first two years of the conflict, it all has been nothing but failure. All right. And the reason for that is because, first of all, the mission kept changing. What is it that we're there to do? At first, as the president said, uh, we were there to, to make sure that Afghanistan could never be a projection point for terrorism against the United States. And we were there to, you know, to defeat Al-Qaeda and, and Osama bin Laden. We achieved those things. We achieved those things fairly quickly. And then obviously a few years later, the death of Osama bin Laden. But somehow, still under the Bush administration, it became a nation building operation, which was a mistake because the Afghan people didn't want it and weren't capable of it. And the military planning was a problem because you had people on the ground who knew the truth, who were working really hard. But the word that was going from the senior leaders in Afghanistan back to the Pentagon was not accurate. That's the nice way to say it. You can interpret whatever words you want to put in there. It was not accurate information. You could see videotape of some of the senior leaders in Afghanistan giving press conferences, talking about what they're telling the Pentagon and, and all four administrations and Congress. And most of it wasn't true. It wasn't accurate. Things were not rosy. The Afghan National Army was not being properly trained as a whole. Some, again, some units were amazing. Mm -hmm. They were not achieving <clears throat> rampant successes. The Afghan government was not succeeding. All the things that were being told that this policy is working, let's, let's build on this, was not true. There was no such foundation to do it. 
And the policy kept changing because at some level, people knew some things were not working. And so every couple of years, the mission would change a little bit. We'd come up with a new set of objectives, a new set of training criteria, a new set of, of civil affairs you know, capabilities. Whatever the case was, it kept changing because we weren't able to achieve those objectives. And so again, this is not the fault of the soldiers on the ground. Soldiers, Marines, Airmen, Navy, uh, international NATO partners, all the people on the ground were amazing. Don't ever interpret anything I say to the contrary, because it's not. But the leaders and the planners never got it right after the first couple of years, never got it right. Okay. And so how many more years? This is what the president said. We could be there another one year, another three years, another five years, another 20 years. And guess what? The situation would not be any different than it is right now. And that's just the truth. So how did we get to where we are today? The last point I wanted to make is we got a terrible outcome this week. That's, the, that's just the truth. We have to be honest about it. This was a terrible outcome. Now, on the one hand, the, you know, it was certainly possible that the Taliban would, out, would, would outmaneuver the army and the government, the Afghan government would collapse. Is anybody surprised that, you know, that, uh, that President Ashraf Ghani fled the minute that the Taliban got anywhere near, that the government collapsed the minute the Taliban started, you know, becoming aggressive and getting towards them? I'm not surprised by that. I don't know that any, any intelligence or any military planner would be surprised by that. But yet they're saying they didn't see that coming necessarily. Uh, people said they didn't realize the Taliban would take the entire country, including Kabul, in a matter of days as opposed to a matter of months. Uh, you know, I don't know what they knew. I don't know what they should have known. I don't think it was out of the range of possibilities. But let's say for the sake of argument that nobody anticipated that it would happen this quickly, which is certainly a reasonable interpretation. OK, let's just accept that for the moment. Well, the fact is that whatever the time frame we had, obviously the Trump time frame was one May and Biden made it one September. Obviously, the Taliban agreed to extend the ceasefire. We should have and we owed it to the translators and the other folks who worked with our forces over there to have a better system in place to get them out. Now, I realize, again, the, the State Department, who's in charge of the visas and paperwork necessary to get them out, the, the, the Pentagon was all in on this, but the State Department is still fighting through its own bureaucracy, and they weren't able to process the paperwork. They weren't even able to get the paperwork to these folks. Uh, and so the problem that you have is you know, a process that takes months and months and months should have been done, should have been made faster and it should have been done sooner. And anyway, they should have safeguarded these folks in some place in Afghanistan or someplace, even brought them to the United States uh, and then processed them here as opposed to what happened to them because they're under significant. Now, the Taliban has promised that they're not going to hunt them down and, and kill them, which is what the fear is. I wouldn't trust that. I, you know, we'll have to see whether the Taliban do it or not. I don't know that I would trust them on that, but but let's see what happens. But either way, we are we were we already got it wrong in that regard. So that's that that's a travesty. That that's embarrassing. It's wrong. I mean, use whatever whatever descriptive words you want to about it. It's an embarrassment for the United States that we got this one piece of it wrong. Everything else we did, I think we did correctly. At this point, I mean, after after 20 years, there really weren't a lot of options. I think the Biden policy, even the Trump policy I supported, I did in, in real time, not not in mm -hmm. hindsight. I supported it at the time, not not every right. specific piece of it. But the idea that we needed to leave Afghanistan, I thought, was one of the areas that Trump got right. Uh, and I think Biden was right to continue it. But 
you know, what we have here is, couldn't we, couldn't we, as part of this, whatever adjusted ceasefire it was to go from May 1st to September 1st, um, have said to the Taliban, look, we need to get these folks out as part of that agreement. I know Trump didn't have it in the agreement because they didn't care, but maybe there was a way to, to add that in because at the end of the day, the Taliban didn't want to fight us again. They were willing to wait for us to leave knowing that they would right. take over the country. So I don't know what could have happened. Maybe, maybe they tried that and it wasn't possible. I don't know, but we had an obligation, a moral obligation and otherwise uh, to these interpreters to get them out. Now that doesn't account for the thousands and thousands of, of, of Afghan citizens that are, that are trying to flee right now. That's, that's not necessarily something that we owed them. I'm, I'm sympathetic to their, to their plight. I, I wouldn't want to live under Taliban rule and I don't, I don't expect them to, to be thrilled about it. Um, but that's a different issue. And I hope that we can somehow work with the international community to try to get as many people out as possible. <clears throat> but what we did owe a duty to the interpreters and those who worked with us at great sacrifice to their safety and their future uh, to get them out. And so, so that I agree with all the criticism. Now, those, the, the critics that are talking about, this is the last point I'm gonna make, then we can talk about any specific issues that you'd like. But you know, the critics of this, uh, I think ought to be ashamed of themselves because they, they are, they are, they're putting blinders on and they're ignoring all of the context and all of the re relevant facts. For example, if you check the news sources in Europe, in Asia, you know, in other places around the world, they're not talking about people falling off the plane and storming the tarmac. You know, that might get a mention, but that's not what the story is. The story is the 20 years of American policy, well, NATO policy and involvement in Afghanistan. The story was the Trump agreement and then the Biden agreement that followed through and adjusted it a little bit. And the story is all these other things that that tells what's going on in Afghanistan with, with a historical perspective, a military perspective, and a realistic assessment of what's possible, the good and the bad right now. But our media, oh, no, no, that's not what they want to do. They want to show this crappy footage. I'm not saying don't show it, show it. But I, I watched certain news programs today where they were doing it for hours and hours and hours and hours, not talking about anything else. And that's just right. dishonest. That's just right. dishonest. So that's the last point I wanted to make. And I'm happy to go through any of this with you. So, yeah, and you, you, you hit the nail on the head for a lot of topics, and, you know, it, it's great stuff. I mean, we're already at almost 8 o'clock right now, but I still got some a couple of things I want to talk about. Um, MSN.com, NBC, is reporting, just before I went on the air, they are reporting that intelligence did warn of an Afghan military collapse, despite Biden's assurances. Now, you brought this up, and this is, I felt like Biden kind of dropped the ball because every president seems to always drop that ball when they first get in in regards to getting intel. And it looks like you usually mess up once and you never mess up ever again. Every president has done it when they first take office. I've always felt the boots on the ground do the best work for you. When that information came in last week, Biden should have really took seriousness in that and said, hey, we need to prepare for this. But because of, like you said, there's been 20 years of, People in the military telling everybody that their people are getting trained. These people are going to be ready to go if it happens. And that's kind of what Biden stood by. He felt that, okay, I've had this story given to me for years. Why should I believe this intel? Well, now he has learned that you got to believe your most recent intel. Those are your guys well, that are on the ground, correct? I think you're right. Uh, and, and President Biden does 
have a lot of respect for the intelligence community, has a lot of confidence in the intelligence community. What you had was a range of ideas. There were people who said it could happen quickly or it could take months, right? right? So no one knew exactly how long it was going to take. It was more about giving him this range of possibilities. And so when you're given a range, how realistic is it that it's going to be on one extreme or the other of the range or maybe somewhere? So, you know, so so it's not like they all told him, hey, it's going to happen in three days. That's, you know, no one said that. Um, and, and the other, you know, the, the bigger problem that he had was he was so committed to this. He, he, he's talked about it for 20 years. Right. He talked yes. about it on the campaign. Tra- this is one of the areas where he and Trump agreed during the 2020 campaign. It didn't even come up much in the debates because there was little disagreement between them on right. this. So the moderators of the debates didn't even talk about it. The commercials didn't talk about it. It was this, so that, that it just wasn't a controversy. So he was hell bent on doing it. Uh, And again, I'm not, you know, none of us are in the room there. We don't know exactly who's telling him specific advice. I, you know, I'm sure General Austin, who's very, very capable. He's a great sec def. I think he's going to be a great sec def. He hasn't been there very long. I'm sure he gave him very good options and advice. I'm sure Secretary Blinken did. I'm sure uh, Carpenter, the national security advisor, did. I'm sure, you know, all of the people that have been advising him have given him a range of very good information. And it's not that he rejected the information. It was, I want this done on this time frame. Now, remember, it's not all because Biden was being stubborn. Everybody says, well, it's Biden being stubborn. You know, you have Rick Scott of Florida, the biggest crook in the Senate. Um, <laughs> he is. Remember, he committed the largest yeah. case of Medicare yes. fraud in the history yeah. of the That's United States. That's my next question for you. Yep. Yeah. Rick Scott so, is. So, you know, Rick Scott says, no, he's, he's not competent because he made a mistake on this. Well, no, 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 because he's not doing anything Trump didn't do. So where was where was Rick Scott on Trump's competency, which is pronouncedly a, a problem. But but more importantly, this you have to remember. And, and Biden said this and other military leaders have acknowledged this. If we didn't get out on this time frame, the Taliban was going to start its attacks again. And twenty five hundred U.S. troops were sitting ducks. We right. would have had to a month or so ago start surging tens of thousands of American forces back into Afghanistan, not just around the Kabul airport where they are now, not just in the city of Kabul, but all throughout the country to fight the Taliban all over again. Nobody wanted that. That wasn't a good option. The president knew that. And so, of course, he said no to that. Now, we had to hope that the Afghan army could could at least hold on to Kabul for a while. I don't think a lot of people realistically thought that Kabul would fall in less than a day, which pretty much it did. <laughs> pretty much. Um, I don't think anybody thought it would be that bad. Um but that's what happened. So, you know, how unreasonable is I don't know that it was unreasonable to think that they could hold on long enough for us to get our our civilians out, our embassy moved, you know, and, and to try to get a few thousand of these Afghan interpreters out. Um, again, we failed in that regard. It should have the process should have started a long time ago and it should have been better planned. I, I'm not denying that. But we certainly thought we had more time. We thought we had at least several more weeks, if not a few months to be able to get them out. So it wasn't like we didn't care, but we didn't plan properly. We do care. <clears throat> we do care. Right. And you know what? The, 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 the thing is, too, it was a crazy weekend in Afghanistan. And really, the only lives lost was one person who fell under the wheels of the C-17 on, on, on the runway. And then there was a plane that entered uh, the wrong airspace and was shot down, unfortunately, um, those people. But other than that, this could have been a really bloody, nasty with the history of the Afghans and and the Taliban, this could have been a lot worse than people really realize. 
I yeah. just want you to speak on that real quick, how how bad this really could have been, and we should be happy at the fact that this wasn't the bloody mess that it could have been. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, if there was a fight for the city of Kabul, it would have destroyed that city, right? Fighting in a city is a terrible thing. It destroys the buildings. The buildings come down, right? The infrastructure comes down. The utilities go away. You know, everything is destroyed, and they don't have the resources to rebuild. They do not have the resources to rebuild. And so, uh, you know, if there was a fight for the city of Kabul and it actually occurred within the city limits, which apparently it looked like it would have, the Taliban certainly wouldn't have cared how many people they hurt and, and what else they destroyed in the process. The Afghan army, I don't know if they had the equipment or training or the ability to avoid that type of thing. Um, but like you say, it would have been incredibly destructive, incredibly destructive. Uh, and, and the other thing, you know, I, I do want to touch upon one other issue before we mm -hmm. forget, and that's the China factor that people are forgetting. A long time ago, I don't remember what year, but I talked about this on the show years ago, okay, and I've written about it. China, you know, when the United States was there for 20 years, and, and for much of this 20 years, you know, we spent trillions and trillions of U.S. taxpayer dollars uh, bankrupting our country over this because, you know, we didn't pay for the war. We used deficit spending. Uh, we suffered, obviously, a lot of casualties, a lot of injuries, uh, you know, all the things that come with, with 20 years of war. China didn't do anything, right? They, they, they didn't participate in, in any of this. And they, I'm not saying that they had to, but they didn't. But you know what China has done for years now is they were making deals with the Afghan national government for the resources, for the minerals. Afghanistan sits on huge mineral deposits, lithium batteries and other such things, uh, you know, lithium to make batteries and other such things that are incredibly valuable. And China was watching the United States do all of this Herculean military effort. And they simply went in there and made deals with the Afghan government to get the minerals out. Could you imagine that? I mean, and so, you know, people are people are saying now, well, I, I can't believe we're leaving now because with the Taliban, they're just going to make they're just going to sell everything to China. China's going to come in and work with the Taliban. No, China already owns it. <laughs> China already owns it, right. folks. Look it up. Look right. it up. I talked about this years ago that China did this right under our noses. And I'm not right. saying we had the legal ability to stop it. But if that was happening, if I were part of an administration and China was doing that, I would go to the Afghan national government and say, are you freaking kidding me? Right. Because we're out tomorrow if you're doing that. If you're, if you're giving this crap to China, these contracts to China, we're out tomorrow. Bye. Mm. I, would have left, I would have left in a day and I wouldn't have given a damn about it. Um, but we didn't do that. We stuck it out for years, despite China reaping all the, the benefits of, of this. It's the most outrageous thing that, uh, that that could have happened in this, other than the loss of life, of course, which we did. China did not. So China's already there, folks. They already own the lithium. They already own the copper. They already own the mines. Uh, they've right. been taking it out for years. And, and we're the suckers. We are the suckers. And, and that's crazy. So we're at we're at the top of the hour. Um, Rob is writing some great columns over at the corridor on Facebook. So go over to the corridor on Facebook. Rob is uh, it's a page, the corridor of, page, corridor page. And he's uh, he's writing some articles. Pretty much you've been pretty much busy with this whole stuff that's been going on. You dropped a piece over the weekend. Um, just let them know how they can follow you and get over there and check that out. Yeah, just, you know, on Facebook, just under pages, look up the corridor, uh, two words, the corridor, uh, you'll see a picture of the Capitol as our logo. And it talks, it says it's a journalism site. 
Um, and you could see uh, pieces on a range of issues from domestic to international politics and, and various issues. So uh, read, read it at your interest. There's also under group something called the corridor. We don't use it. Uh, so that's why I wanted to stress that people need to look at the page, not the group. Okay, cool. Because Facebook has pages and groups. And groups, exactly. Um, one of the last questions that you already brought up, my last part here was Rick Scott, of course, going on Joe Biden and mentioning this 25th Amendment, which is completely out of control. Um, a lot of people was on to him when they said that. They said this was just a friggin' a, a, a voter push. This is just him trying to, but they said they think it's going to hurt him more and help him, you know, it's kind of overboard. You know, anybody with any political knowledge knows that he should have never made this comment. Um, luckily, it's going to go under the radar with so much everything else that's going on. So, hey, Rob, I got to thank you for coming on. I know we usually have you scheduled for the first Tuesday of every month, but... This, this is could, important. It was too important yeah, to wait. Too yeah, important it, to wait. Yeah, I couldn't wait till Tuesday um of of september um we really needed to get you on i really thank you for coming on here at a really short notice um and again because you you were trying to talk about this last week you saw this kind of it was kind of inching its way towards us um but there was a lot of other stuff and sure enough this weekend hits and it blew right up and i was like wow i says rob was dead on again you know so um i hope a lot of people got the information that they needed um Again, speaking right from the heart and speaking right from experience, people. Again, Rob is speaking right from experience. Um, we've got a lot of people out there in media right now today who know absolutely nothing, but they're people like Tommy Lauren, who she's going crazy right now on social media, on Twitter, um, but she has no experience. She's, she's spoon-fed everything she gets, and you know she's grown up you know, with rich parents. She has no idea what she's talking about, and it just upsets me that these people are at the top of the media chain, you know, and nobody wants to ask guys like Rob the questions, you know, guys who have been there, guys who know how the infrastructure works, and that's what that's what aggravates me about media today. It's, it's you know, you go on Fox News, and every female reporter looks like they just walked out of the, the nightclub or the strip club, because that's what that's what sells. And you know that that's not what I want. That's to be honest. I I could I don't like Fox because of that. I think when you're projecting news to people, it should be done in a certain way. I'm not here to have the most attractive news people. It that's that. You know, there was a time where guys like Tom Brokaw, Dan Rather, Walter Cronkite. It wasn't about the looks. You know, it, it it's just bothers me i don't know about you rob but it just bothers the crap out of me that it's well you know out. i mean it, it should all be about quality journalism mm-hmm. and that's why i brought up earlier tonight that the point about what other uh countries medias are covering what's in their papers and on their news programs because the united states stands alone again in 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 really what has become a disgraceful media and i've i've never i've, I've never been a media apologist i've also never been a media attacker i think all the claims of bias are overblown but I think that the media has had a lot of flaws in their business model, flaws in how they approach things. And the point I wanted to make today was, if you look at how in other countries' news medias, they are really practicing journalism, or at least practicing at a much higher level than we are, by covering these stories, by explaining what I tried to lay out for folks in a fairly quickly way at the beginning of the show, that's what they're doing on their programs. Whereas in the United States, I saw three hours of 
the same tarmac footage today. And I'm not saying it's not a story, but there's so much more to this story as much as other stories. There are other stories going on in, in Congress, in, in the administration, in the states, you know, and, and you know, the, the media jumps on something like this. And I, I don't understand why. And it's not that it's conservative or liberal. This is the flawed business model. This is the death of American journalism. That's what it is. We don't do journalism anymore. We do this nonsense. I, I watch a range of shows of people uh, on different parts of the political spectrum. I'm not biased. I try to get my sources from people I agree with as well as disagree with. I find it interesting. But right now, I don't find anybody that I like because all these shows have gotten way out of control. There's, there's, I, I don't know how to describe it other than the fact if you compare it to what's on the BBC, what's on the German programs, what's on the Japanese programs, albeit translated into English, um, you know, you'll see the difference. I'm not saying watch their shows, but just see the difference for yourself and you realize how, how low our, our, our journalism has gone. And it's not really the journalists themselves. I think it's the business model that their producers, that their companies are imposing on them. I think there are a lot of journalists that want to do a better job, but they, you know, they have to follow the rules or they get fired from their shows. It's a very competitive market. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, so it, that's probably a topic for another time, but I think, you know, to, to your point, uh, we, we're, we're doing a terrible job of informing and really misinforming the public. And that's across the spectrum. Yeah, I, and I know I've shared um, in our group chat from time to time, um, I've become a big fan of Rupley, RT, which, if funny, is out of Russia. But but they're right there when stuff happens. Um, there's no reporters. It's just live footage from anything that happens around the world. So you're getting it real time. Um, nobody can put a spin on it. And I've been a, becoming a real fan of that site since it unveiled itself about two or three years ago. Um, so if you haven't heard it yet or seen it, people, it's RT on Facebook. Rupley is the name of it. And what it is is they've got people with cell phones or whatever. And whenever things happen across the world, um, they go live. And it, it's it's some of the most craziest stuff I've seen on this network. But it's right there in your face, and you can see it happen. So, Rob, i got to thank you for coming on here with me. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And I'm going to be back here with the booth. And then around 8.30, my guest should be coming on with me. It would be Ward 7 candidate, Bree Nichols. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be back here with more booth in about five minutes. Here we go. Jules, what's up, bro? You ready to play? Braves. Coaching's overrated, bro. I know you still got it, Randy. Let's get back to playing. Uh. Willie Mack, Teddy, Wes, Ocho Cinco. I guess I'll just play online. Got some news today from the radio man. He spoke the word somber and as softly as he can, the world stood still. And the sky opened up. I made my way to fill up my coffee cup. 
Then it occurred to me as the daylight sky shone blue Today's the day that Johnny met June He waited a while, he knew that he would He was gonna hang around here for as long as could The days went by And hours idle past He was never sure just how long he would last But there's not much love in a lonely room Today's the day that Johnny met you Have a good summer You too Thanks No way. <laughs> this is the guy that I was running to in the library. You're kind of oh, yeah. like guilty. So. Oh my God. <laughs> so you like to write on desks? Yeah, that's what I do. from my neighborhood Shootouts can be very dangerous so when you're walking down the street and find yourself in the middle of one don't run, instead duck, dodge, and roll If you hear gunshots and you don't want to die, gotta duck, dodge, and roll Yeah, You'll have a better chance of staying alive if you duck, dodge, and roll Okay Don't be like Bobby who lost his head he ran around in circles and now he's dead. If you want to stay alive, do this instead. Duck, dodge, and roll. <laughs> if you hear a hail of bullets from a semi-automatic, gotta duck, dodge, and roll. Remember as you run away to keep your moves erratic, gotta duck, dodge, and roll. See how that worked? There's just one thing to do when you gotta get away. Keep bobbing and a-weaving, there's no need to be afraid. Cause this is not a drill and you're not an kid. Just remember, duck, dodge, and roll. Duck, dodge, and roll. Duck, dodge, and roll. One day, Alex and Sam were mucking around on their phones. Wanna take a selfie? Yeah. Then Sam had an idea. I'll take a picture. What if they sent a picture of Alex's willy to their friend Katie? You know, the kind that disappears in a few seconds. When Katie saw it, she thought it was very funny. So she screen grabbed the picture and sent it to her friends. And they sent it to theirs. 
and the next day at school. Alex even got a message from a bully. He then got one from a man he didn't know. Sometimes, children share things they shouldn't online. And the effects can be devastating. Help keep your child safe. Search Share Aware. Great mom. Boston is small. Very small. So you got gangs on every street. As long as I'm good with these right. She's an awkward, nerdy kid. Maybe a new home can be an opportunity to start fresh. I just wish she'd get into some trouble. There's still time. What are you doing here in Somerville anyway? We're completely broke. And our grandfather left us this creepy old farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. Your father wasn't much of a homemaker. He could hardly keep the power on. You're saying he left us nothing? Well, I wouldn't say nothing. You went with the station wagon? It's the only one that had an engine. What is happening here? Somehow, a town with no fault lines is shaking on a daily basis. Maybe it's the apocalypse. Egon came out here for a reason. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? You experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? Oh my god. You guys hear that? Something's coming. The whole city took the walking dead. All right, it's your boy since one back here broadcasting live from the city of champions. You are listening to the booth. I'm waiting for my next guest to get online. Bree Nichols, Ward 7. Uh, she's running for city council. Um, but I'm going to get into my show here and mention my sponsors. Uh, Michael Douglas Barreto, MDB Electronics. If you have a controller that fades or is broken, uh, you want to get your controller out to him. He'll get it fixed within 48 hours. You'll be back to gaming. Um Everything is lifetime warranty, so if it goes back in, you know, he keeps it marked and 
you know, it's repaired free of charge unless it's something new that you break or, you know, game rage and destroy your controller. But uh, Vianna Marie's music streaming everywhere. Make sure to check her out. Uh, she's got new music coming out in November. So make sure to stay in touch and follow up with her. Um, Little Birdie told me a brand new website is coming. And the name of the album is called It's Personal. So she's been performing a couple of tracks off this new project. So you want to make sure you're ready to get on this because we're going to have a listening party and everything. Uh, Tactical Target Systems, that's where I get my targets from when I take time to go to the range because I mentioned here a thousand times, um, I have a fear of the zombie apocalypse. I've had this fear since my mom and dad made me and my brother watch Night of the Living Dead. This isn't nothing new. I've been scared of zombies for a long time. I've been preparing for this moment, and Tactical Target Systems keeps me ready to go. RebelRom.com, that is my cousin's clothing line. You want to make sure to check her out and get some clothing through her. Um, RebelRom.com is the website. Also, new sponsor, Carl Bunnell, veteran-owned residential and commercial, Old Colony Pest Control. You want to check them out at 774-400-5993. Um, licensed and insured General Red Revere is where you're going um, Robinell is a veteran owned business so you want to make sure to show your support uh, let me get into the news booth uh, Randolph man facing 24 counts of animal cruelty after they found puppies living in squalor uh, the Randolph police had went to a call and then they ended up uh, going to this house and found 24 pit bull puppies in a bad state of disarray, um, health, everything. Um, Animal Rescue League of Boston is now has possession of the 24 puppies. Um, they're already taking and looking at people for forever homes for these puppies. They're also looking for donations. Um, when they have these big amounts of puppies come in, they need donations. ASAP from dog food uh, to paper. Um, so the dogs can utilize the paper to pee on and things of that sort. So you want to make sure if you want to help them out, you want to go to the Animal Rescue League page. And all of the information is there. If you find this news story, almost every news story has got the link. I've got the link on my page uh, so people could share it. And again, you know, it's just a sad story. 24 puppies. Um, it's just sad. So I want to make sure you guys get that out there and. Do what you need to do. As you guys can see, I got my Oscar Mike radio hat for Travis Partington. And I got my 2020 shirt for Benny. How's it going, man? Got the shirt to represent their podcast out there. Um, moving on to the news booth. Uh, we are now up to 1,300 dead after a 7.2 earthquake struck Haiti over the weekend. 1,300 people dead. And again, I saw uh, Jean Lee who's been on this show, he had mentioned that, you know, don't send any money to the Red Cross because it doesn't get to where it needs to go. And, you know, it's sad because when 2010's earthquake happened, um, WBT, WXBR, and the booth was able to connect with Haiti. We were the only radio station to connect with Haiti in real time, 24 hours after the earthquake. And we were able to have a discussion with the, like the number one DJ of the radio show out there, of the radio station out there. Um, and he talked to us about this stuff. So it was, it was pretty crazy stuff that he told us. And it's kind of sad to see that the same type of corruption is going on. But then again, 
their president was just assassinated, you know, about a month ago over this type of stuff. So um, prayers and blessings go out to the Haitian community and the Haitian families and the Haitian people over there in the Isle of Haiti. Uh, as you heard me talking with this, uh, with R squared, Greg Abbott sought to ban all types of mask mandates and stuff. He's got COVID, but he's vaccinated people. So <laughs> I'm not going to get too much more into that because me and Rob pretty much broke it down between Texas and Florida. So I'm going to beat a dead horse. Uh, getting into the legal booth, uh, Britney Spears' father has now ready to step down. Um, and uh, he's going to back out of the conservatorship. He is now going to allow her to have somewhat of her freedom, but he wants to make sure that whoever takes over is going to have her best interests in mind. Well, to be honest, I don't feel like whoever has her best interests in mind right now, because ever since that they have been lax on and and gaining her freedom, um, you know, she was able to drive. um, She was able to drive a few weeks ago. They ended up cracking up the car four hours after having her freedom. Um, nobody really talks about that because everybody's on this whole free Britney Spears kick. But here's the thing, people. Her Instagram is a hot mess. And after shortly after gaining some more freedom and her father, you know, pulling away, uh, Britney Spears posts this on Instagram in regards to her freedom and her body. And I'm going to show you these pictures right here. These are the kind of pictures that she's been posting on Instagram the last two weeks, three weeks or so. Um, all these people out there, as you can see, Jay Wow, she's from uh, Jersey Shore and all these other people out there. But she's telling people that she didn't get a boob job. She's not pregnant. She has boobs and nose picked because she ate food. So supposedly these pictures you're about to see, her breasts are big because of what she ate. <laughs> And then she goes on this whole friggin' long ass rant as to why she's doing all these photos, these crazy photos that she's doing on Instagram. I'm just going to go through some of these pictures here. This is Britney Spears. And I'm sorry, they're thirst trap attention grabbers. And, you know, what happens when people with mental illness don't get the attention that they want or they don't feel like they're getting? Bad things happen. Bad things happen. There's really no need for Britney Spears to be putting these pictures out on Instagram. Because for me, I don't feel like she is of sound mind. But this is what's going on. And this is this is the hashtag free Britney that everybody wants. When really, this is the hashtag don't free Britney that the dad was trying to protect people. So I want you to look at these pictures because I know a lot of people out there. Oh, she looks good. Oh, this. No, no, this is a cry for help. This many photos, this, all this is a cry for help in my book. And you're probably saying, damn, sinister one, you're a guy. You should be loving and liking these pics and be all over these pics. No, I'm not. I'm not because I'm thinking about Britney Spears mental health. Britney Spears' mental health is not good, people. It's right here for everyone to F and C. It's right here. She told everybody in court every day she suffers. And nobody's listening. And I just, I just, 
when this all goes bad, and I pray it doesn't, I pray it doesn't. But if it does all go bad, I'm I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be happy with it at all, not at all. Uh, moving on into the entertainment booth, uh, Brockton's Van Buren has now watched their stock climb, and they just released another video, Cash Rules. And here's the thing, people, with Van Buren Boys, which is now Van Buren Records due to uh, Van Buren Boys being copyrighted by Seinfeld. For those who don't know, Van Buren Boys was the gang that attacked Kramer in the Seinfeld show. So that's a copyrighted name. Um, and they probably weren't able to get that released because Seinfeld's going to demand a ton of money, to be honest. So they're now Van Buren Records. And for me... Van Buren Records is, pay attention people, Van Buren Records out of Brockton, they are this generation's Wu-Tang Clan. Wu-Tang Clan was made up of seven members, and they signed a record deal that no one else had ever signed in the history of hip-hop. It allowed each member to go off and get their own album deal while still being loyal to Loud Records. And what that did was for every album that each solo member put out, it allowed them to put each other on each other's album. So when that first Wu-Tang album came out, it was a classic. The first solo album to come out of Wu-Tang was Method Man. Method Man featured all of the crew on his album. You got through listening to Method Man, he was like, damn. I, I need something from Ghostface Killer. Or you were like, damn, I need something from ODB. And we got that. ODB's album dropped. And I'll tell you right now, ODB's album was was my favorite solo Wu-Tang album. It was original. It was different. It was it was an instant classic for me. And, and God rest his soul. Because he had a talent that nobody else had ever seen in hip-hop. He, the things he did on that album was just ridiculous. It was just insane. It was just unheard of. And he made it work. He got on features with Mariah Carey. People was clowning him early on. And ODB was just craziness. And, and Wu turned it into an empire. Wu-Tang Clan is the kiss of hip hop. And if you don't know who kisses and rock and roll and don't understand it, then you don't know stuff about music like I do. But, but Wu Tang clan is the kiss of hip hop when it comes to branding memorabilia and, and how they do things. Van Buren, please do the same thing. Please be this generation's Wu Tang clan. Hip hop needs this. I need to see all the members of Van Buren records get their deals, their solo deals, and then put each other on each of their projects and just keep building that tree. That way we can say, yo, they came from the city of Brockton. And that will be big for hip hop to have it happen again because Wu Tang saved hip hop. We had the New York East Coast, West Coast battles. If it wasn't for Biggie and Wu, coming out and, and, and snatching that rap back from the West Coast, who knows where rap would have been or where it would have went. 
was Wu and Biggie who brought that East, that tipped the scales back to the East Coast. The, the different styles. So Van Buren Records, man, do it. Do it. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here to watch. I'm here to listen. My son, Terrell, <laughs> loves you guys. Oh, my God. Keep doing what you're doing, though. And when you put Save a Lot in your in your lyrics. Because <laughs> one, one of the dudes, he's rapping, and he talks about how he worked at Save a Lot. And I remember seeing him being there. <laughs> so, the shit hit home for me. It was for real. Like, oh, my God, this dude put in there. Um, Dexter is back in the entertainment booth. Dexter is back, season nine, Dexter New Blood. But here's the badass thing about the new season of Dexter. It was filmed entirely here in Massachusetts and around the surrounding New England area. Dexter is ready to roll, and a lot of the casting was done by Boston Casting. So what I need you guys to go and show you this trailer. You might see some visuals. You might see some people you know. Um, a lot of extras reutilized in this area. So here we go. Here is Dexter's new blood trailer. Premieres on Showtime in November. And to be honest, I'm going to let you know something. I never, ever watched an episode of Dexter. But because it's filmed here in Boston entirely, I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to binge watch <laughs> the, the eight seasons. So here we go. Here's the trailer for Dexter. New blood debuting on Showtime November. So how are you feeling right now? Well, it's been a whirlwind. I've always had my demons, and so I went away. Sup, Jumbo? Hey, Mr. Lindsay. But sometimes I have an urge too strong to ignore. Whoa! Easy there. What is the problem? I kind of have a thing about blood. Every day I walk through this world faking it. Knowing if someone knows who I am, that's it. blending in You're back here in the booth, broadcasting live from the City of Champions. I see everybody out in the chat. What's up, Dave Haggerty? What's going on? Gloria Shea. Talk back with Gloria Shea. Seen on Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock. Thank you for tuning into the show. She says, the death of American journalism. Talk to me, right? You know? Tom McGinty, what's up, yo, brother? I got to get up there. I got to get up there and see you. I've been up there, up your way three times and haven't stopped in to see you. That's my bad. I got to get up and see my boy Tom McGinty up there in New Hampshire. Uh, Dave Haggerty, everybody out there hanging out with us and chilling. Um, as you guys saw, that is the trailer for the new Dexter season nine, which was filmed up in this area. I'm just going to have to hold it down and 
pump out eight seasons binge watch. I got until November to get it done. You know, I'm trying to catch up on this Black Summer, um, another zombie apocalypse show, um, which is the lead into uh, Z Nation. So I've been watching that. So I'm, I'm real happy about this and how that's going. Um, moving on into the entertainment booth, uh, AT&T is in talks to sell TMZ, the big gossip outlet to Fox Corp. I don't know whew, if that would be very interesting um, to see TMZ on Fox Corp, but it sells. TMZ sells, and they got they got a ton of people on the payroll who leak stuff. I'm just going to say... Um, TMZ, I actually used to listen to that. That's TMZ is known for Three Mile Zone. It's an area of California where you know celebrity stories would happen. And my first TMZ story and how they got put on the map, and I'll let you guys know. I used to listen to a show on the radio. I worked the overnights, and I used to listen to this show out of California called The John and Jeff Show. John and Jeff Show used to come on at midnight and ran to like, Five in the morning, live out of California. Um, these guys were great radio. And they used to always talk about the Three Mile Zone, the TMZ. Really, at that time, nobody knew what TMZ was nationwide or nothing. And John and Jeff used to talk about them. They were strictly out of California. Um, first real story that TMZ had in their laps that blew open was the drunk driving incident with Mel Gibson. And that incident with Mel Gibson drunk driving where he berated the police officer and all this stuff, TMZ got that story, and that's when TMZ caught that media attention. People started to to hear about TMZ. I kept my eye on TMZ. And then TMZ was the first ones to nail the death of Michael Jackson. That's when I realized that they were for real. Um, when Michael Jackson passed away, TMZ was the first ones to put it out there. I, I, and, I, and I don't agree with how TMZ gets their info because they've got people on the payroll in places that they shouldn't have people. They, they And they've grown. They've grown. They, they, let's, let's be real. They're paying people in morgues. They're paying people in hospitals. They're paying people in police departments. They're paying people. Trust and believe me, they, the, the TMZ is owned by lawyers. They know what they're doing. And... um. Mr. Levin, who you see on TMZ, he, he was an attorney. So they know what they're doing over there. They have people on the payroll who inform them of things when things happen. And usually they're dead on. So when Michael Jackson died and, and passed away, there were a lot of outlets who said it wasn't true. Um, a lot of outlets had come out and it was like they retracted the story and they said, no, he's still alive. And TMZ stuck to their guns and was like, no, nah, he's dead. He's dead. And they stuck to it. And then about hour and a half, two hours later, everybody had released their stories that, that Michael Jackson was dead. But TMZ was right on it. Right? The first out the gate, and they, they've been doing it, and they've been doing it ever since. Like I said, I don't agree with their tactics. I don't agree with how they get their info. But um, they're doing it. And uh, let's see what they're going to do now. They're, they're, they've now made, you know, they now have TMZ Sports. They're doing a lot. So let's see what happens with this sale, and if it goes through. Could be a good look for him. Uh, heading into the sports booth, Pats round out their coaching staff with new assistants and uh, title for Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia was brought back during the COVID season. Matt Patricia is now 
the personnel of all the coaches. He's back in the coaching staff. He will oversee all of the coaches. And um, Ivan Fears is the running back coach. But uh, a couple of people I do have to mention that should lead to big success in 2021 for the Patriots, when you have knowledgeable guys like Troy Brown as your wide receiver coach. Troy Brown as your wide receiver coach. This is a guy who played both sides of the ball and was successful. He played wide receiver and he played safety, cornerback. And he had some interceptions. Troy Brown is the wide receiver coach. And then you have um, the Belichick sons, linebacking coaches um, and defense coaches. And you know that they're coming from their dad, who's a defensive guru. You know, they, they, these kids, kids have been learning how to read zones and offenses for years. And to be honest, Belichick's son has been the linebacker coach for a while. So um, linebacking really hasn't been a problem with the Patriots defense. It really hasn't. So I'm on top of that. I'm on top of that. So we'll see. Um, And we're going to keep an eye on that for this season. It's going to be, it's going to be a good season. Um, I saw Cam Newton today (laughs) give a great press conference in regards to who the start is going to be. Nobody's been named yet. They've got the Eagles this week in Philadelphia and me and my son, Rocky versus Rocky part two. Uh, We're actually heading out for the game this week. We're going to drive down. Hopefully the weather's nice. Maybe we can take the slingshot and drive out to Pennsylvania for this game at Lincoln Financial Field. Um, They dropped the price of tickets for charity. It was only 25 bucks to go see this game. And uh, we decided, you know what? When else am I going to go with my son and see the Eagles and Patriots play without having to pay an arm and a leg? So even though it's preseason game, as father and son going to see each of our favorite teams play against each other live. I mean, we've done it here in Foxborough many times being the season ticket holder, but going to Philly and actually seeing that game with my son is is craziness. You know, I'm 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 almost ready to drop a tear cuz I'm 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 stupid like that. I'm stupid emotional like that. Y'all don't pick on me, but that that's the type of stuff when I get in the car with my son and we're driving out to Philadelphia to go see this game, I'm holding back tears cuz I'm just I'm just telling you as a father, there are some things my son's 25 years old and I still get moist in the eyes for certain things you know so i'm sorry that's how i am you know i love my boys you know so uh marcus smart agrees to a four-year deal 77 million dollars extension to stay with the celtics look so shut up everybody because all these people around here was talking trade rumors trade marcus smart to get this trade Marcus. celtics had no intentions to trade marcus smart (laughs) they signed him (laughs) <laughs> so let's let's get this going for next season. Let's get this going. Uh hold on here. I think I got my guest coming in here. I'm gonna let my guest come in. Let me let me get a quick commercial here for you guys real quick. Hold on. Everyone has a Halloween they'll always remember. And this is Jake's. Jake, you into vintage? No, I'm into retro. Oh, what's the difference? About 10 bucks. <laughs> Fair enough. Look at that. Someone took the butcher knife. Yeah. <laughs> 
Chucky. Wanna play? Are you okay? I can't stand the sun of blood. Pussy. Oh, no, Jake, that isn't quite right. What happened to you, Jake? You used to have friends. Don't forget your boy toy. Okay. It's contagious, isn't it? Laughing at people. Well, guess what, dickheads? Now the joke's on you! Hi, I'm Chuck, and I'm your friend to the end. What did you do? Uh, uh, uh. Mommy says real killing is bad. Yeah, well, mommy's full of shit. <laughs> Look around you. It's the World Series of Slaughter. Stop, stop. Did you feel that? <laughs> Everywhere Jake Wheeler goes, death seems to follow. Creepy doll just creeps me the hell out. It's kill or be killed. Everybody's got to choose. What's going on with you? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. <laughs> Chucky. He's gone. Dude, you have a serious doll problem. If you only knew. Hey, kid. I'm gonna go kill your sister. Wanna come? I'm sleepy. You snooze, you lose. was the trailer for Chucky on Sci-Fi Network, October 12th, that debuts. Um, before I get out of the sports booth, actually, I think I got one more sports booth story. Two more sports booth stories before we get into my guest. As you can see, she's in the upper left-hand side waiting for us to uh, move on. Uh, in the sports booth, uh, Ian Rappaport explains the NFL's new rules on taunting will be strictly enforced. I'm not a fan of this new taunting rule. Um some of the things they were showing, like uh, they showed a guy who made a great defensive play on somebody, and it's the second time that he's knocked this guy down for a play, and he puts up the two fingers. For me, I'm a man. I'm a grown-ass man, and I'm playing football. And football is a mental, physical game. And sometimes if you're playing somebody defensive-wise, and say like if it's a quarterback and you get two sacks on that quarterback, and you put your two fingers up and be like, yo, dog, that's two. It's going to be a long day. Don't throw no flag. That's that's part of the mental game in the NFL. That's part of the NFL. And they and then the rule. The reason what they said is, well, we're teaching kids a bad example. Why do we need to make effing rules to to not teach kids a bad example? How about parents step up and be parents and say, okay, these guys are professionals. They're getting paid to play football. This is how they're gonna be in football. But you can't do this at the pop Warner level because you're just a kid. And we have rules and we have to respect our opponents. When you get paid, you can do stuff like that to take it to the extra level. I think this is, I find, I just think it's BS. I think it's, I think we're doing way too much when it comes to our children and parenting. Let parents be parents. Look, I know I caught a lot of flack because my boys, when we were, when they was growing up, I listened to all types of rap music. They played all types of video games. 
with swears and violence and all this stuff. And people, you say, why you let your kids play Grand Theft Auto? Because my kids knew the rule in my house was what happens in the game stays in the game. If you can't respect that, you don't get to play the game like everybody else. And guess what? Both my boys are great kids. They graduated high school. They both work jobs, and they, they ain't shooting up schools and nothing. But they played all them crazy games because as a parent, I let them know that that was entertainment, not reality. So I just need to let people know this whole rule that the NFL is going on about taunting is BS. I don't like it. Parents, parent your kids. I'm just tired of it. I'm just really tired of having to make rules because of bad parenting. This is That's what it all really comes down to. Um, also in the sports booth, Las Vegas Raiders become the first NFL team to require proof of vaccination to attend home games. Now, this is no surprise. If you've been watching this show for the last eight months under COVID, I had already told people that I went to buy concert tickets and the concert tickets already said that I had to show proof of vaccination to purchase the concert tickets through live, through live ticket nation. So people need to realize that, Hey, this was coming. This is going to be here. Um, your phone already has it in your phone. Everybody's phone already has their vaccination info in their phone right now. If you go into the health section of your phone, your vaccination information is right there. It has what you got. It has the date you got it, your first and second shots. And now when you go to concerts or games or you go on cruise ships, you have to provide that information. So it's it, it just trust and believe me, people. This is this is not going anywhere anytime soon, especially with the Delta variant coming up. And now we've got the Lombada variant now, which is worse than the Delta variant. So it's crazy stuff. Uh, Biden bombshells already went through that with my boy Rob Resnick. So I'm going to go right into my guest here. She's running for Ward 7 City Council. Um, She is a candidate over there at Ward 7. Bree Nichols, Coach Bree Nichols. And I want everybody, first off, let them know who you are and explain what the most most knowledgeable place is in Ward 7. Like, I just had Mike Smith on. We talked about Ward 4, and the most knowledgeable place was the fact that it was the Oak Hill Way area with the whole power plant situation um so i'm gonna let you go into your ward and what the most knowledgeable thing is that people know about thank you for having me on my name is brie nichols uh but many know me as coach brie as i coach youth sports in the city and i'm an accountability coach Um, i'm currently running for city council in ward seven one of the notable issues in ward seven right now is the water issue that is rooting right in Ward 7. Um, Reasonably so, there have been uh, smaller um, access for water to come through the pipes due to um, the pipes actually um, having too much sediments that are not being cleaned out. And it's now causing dirty water, um, which eventually can cause health issues. Uh, So that's one of the main things that I will be looking to speak out against um, and make sure that there's transparency for the residents of Ward 7 and the process that is in place to rectify that, as well as that the people who are accountable for it getting there, um, that something happens there as well. Um, Moreover, we are the face of the city. We, you, you know, you enter Brockton through Avon and come down Main Street. So um, it's time to revitalize what Main Street looks like all the way down from North Main to South Main, um, but particularly in that North Main Street area in Ward 7 to ensure that um, we look like the city of champions that we are. 
And it's funny you talk about that because I've been in Brockton since 1978, and the biggest debate about Brockton was when they switched Brockton Main Street to a one-way street, and there's been this debate year after year after year after year of returning two-way traffic to Main Street, and they say that's part of the reason why we don't have businesses coming through Main Street is because it's not a two-way street. I think with all of these parking garages that have been added in those areas of Montello Street and... um, um, where WBT and WXBI used to be. I think all of these additions of city garages, I think we do need to revisit this uh, discussion about adding two ways to Main Street because now that whole argument about parking really isn't an issue. And with some of the things that are coming down to Main Street right now, you've got some some housing that's coming over there. Um, the gentleman who just built a set of condos over by the courthouse on the side where um, West Elm Court is, um, that area, that those those condos are full. They're full, and there's waiting rooms. And I'm hearing that this guy who built this condo has bought Elm Court Hotel, which means another eyesore, another problem is going to go away, and it's going to bring in those people who like to commute, and it's going to clear up the crime in that area. Now, usually I ask my, my guests um, what the elephant in the room is. You touch base right out the gate. The elephant in the room for Ward 7 is the water infrastructure issue. Now, here's the thing about the water infrastructure issues is that this isn't just a city problem. This is a Massachusetts statewide problem. A lot of cities and towns are seeing failures of their water infrastructures. Why? Because the money that was earmarked to update water infrastructure when towns and cities got, you know, less monies, that's what they took from put elsewhere you know money that was here and now we're seeing a lot of these problems where the infrastructure is outdated you know we've had some issues here in ward five where we've had water main breaks because the waters have you know it's just straight deteriorated pipe because of the age and it's just never been updated so um you're talking about the sediment it's not only just the sediment but it's it's, it's an upgrade to the entire infrastructure down that way Right. And the quality of it all. And, you know, this also translates, um, you know, subsequently into uh, livable housing, because if, you know, now we need to get money to fix these water pipes that have either burst or are not, you know, producing clean water, that costs millions of dollars, literally, that the city's already in a bunch of debt and can't really afford to um borrow more of. So now that puts homeowners in a position to have their water bills increase, which then, you know, inadvertently translates over to, you know, rent increases. So we have to look at the domino effect of issues to see that, you know, it's important to advocate for who's representing you because you don't want somebody who's just going to go, hey, yeah, that sounds good. I'm going to stamp it and say that it's yay or nay. We need people that are actually going to ask questions and be diligent about acquiring information before just saying, yes, I'm going to vote or, you know, no, I'm not. Um, Also making sure that people aren't recusing themselves from certain conversations to, um, you know, protect themselves when the goal of you being elected was to be able to advocate for all issues, not the ones that you felt wouldn't compromise you. Um, Me as a candidate, I came in this as an activist first. So my work is going to be a lot different than someone else who has a who's a career politician. My work is on the ground, organizing in the community and hearing what the people have to say and bringing those issues forward and using the leverage that we have as counselors or as people who are in elected positions or connected to people in elected positions to really change what we see. And that's the reimagination portion of uh 
my plan, you know, the art of my plan. Nice. So you, so you already have a game plan in place as a, a step. What would you feel is the second most uh, needed thing to be done in Ward 7? Well, I learned from the best and proper preparation prevents poor performance. So I can't be coming in here and telling people I'm going to do better and not give them the how I intend to. Now, that's where I can't guarantee instant success, but I can guarantee instant progress comes in. The very first and most important thing is going to be to listen. Listen to the different department heads and what they have to say in relationship to how their departments run, what resources they may need to make their departments run more efficiently. Um, Are there issues that they feel that have gone unheard for some time under the previous administrations? Um, And then more importantly, listen not just to the voters who already voted me in, but listen to the people who don't agree with me. (laughs) Listen to the people who, um, you know, Mm -hmm. are not supporters of me to figure out, okay, so how can I bring your issues forward along with the issues of these? people that support the ones that I bought forward and how can we create a more cohesive um, environment for all of us to live and thrive in. And the funny thing is, is, you know, everybody who's running for war counselor, um, you've got a tough task ahead of you because right now, you know, there's this whole thing with, you know, extra funds available because of COVID and because there was a lot of stuff that was put on the sidebar last year. Um, we have a ton of extra tax funds left over, which is now being dispersed right now. So some of the things that you guys are going to come in and have to make sure of is that accountability to make sure that funds that was left over that is now being sent out is being used properly or was being used properly of of, of said sense. Um, there's a lot of grants that was written out there during COVID to help bounce back. Um, Ward 7, you've got a lot of restaurants that are well known in that area does jj's fall into ward seven or is that just outside the ward seven i can't remember uh jj's so jj's oh man jj's is ward seven it's right on my street and i promise you i've been like hoping and praying for it to come back (laughs) that was one of the best businesses that we had there you know, yes. and transparency yeah. is the key to unlocking the doors to the city right now. Yeah. You know, we have to be yeah. able to say, here's what's happening. Here's the options that we have. And then allow people to critically think and make informed decisions for themselves. So, and, and you know, they are, that, they are, well, they are moving to a new location, which we all know. And it's going to be a great, great establishment when they move. Um, it's just nice to see a business like JJ's bring in people from the outside. Like I, I always have a name for businesses. I call them diamonds in the rough. And um, some of those places are JJ's cafe, oh, yeah. <laughs> Tambu. Um, right now, my new diamond in the rough favorite is empower nutrition, which is down the street from my house on Crescent street. Um, they've got me to drink healthy. Okay. I gotta go. I go down there and I get my different type <laughs> of different type of smoothies. They make, they've, they've got like, 45 different smoothies down there empower nation it's minority owned um it's a great business last weekend they had an open house and they took pictures with everybody they got a great instagram so um it's nice to see brockton um welcoming minority owned businesses right now um because a lot of people i'd encourage you to Mm -hmm. go ahead oh i'm sorry Nope, I was just going to say you like drinking healthy now. Empower Nutrition started the trend. I'd encourage you to check out Quench, which is right in Ward 7. It's a newly open business. It's also Black-owned. Um, it's all fresh fruits that are being Ooh. used in there, and they also serve uh, breakfast acai bowls. So, you know, I'm also all Brie can drink and eat, so I 
uh, strive on going around to the different businesses in the city, especially food and drink, because it brings people together um, and advocating for those businesses, making sure that we're bringing awareness to them, especially like you said, those diamond in the roughs, because sometimes the location plays into the type of business that people are getting. That's right. And I got to give big props out to Emily Hall and them over at Prova because Prova really put minority owned business to the forefront. They oh, gave, yeah. They gave Brockton beer the beverage. They were the, the they were they're the beer for the season. The season's going till September. Oh, yeah. beer. You want to head down there, get yourself a Brockton beer, minority owned. And to be honest, their IPAs are getting a lot of good mentions on all of these IPA craft. Oh, yeah. Sites. I tried that sour. Oh, oh. they have a. a a fruit punch sour and it was great i've gone down there um i've even organized play dates for my daughter to go down there and enjoy some time you know it's family friendly family I fun so i, I believe, tell everybody get down to Provo. <laughs> i believe i have a video on the booth website of me running into you the first night of prova with a with us with a pink drink yes. in your hand and you was like look <laughs> <laughs> that is one of those sours <laughs> Oh, yeah. So we have to make sure that we have counselors that are going to advocate for that, you know, advocating for businesses that people are going to care about. You know, we all want a cold brew on a Friday night, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Prova's been doing good down there. But like I said, once Prova's over, we're going to need everybody to support the Brockton the Brockton beer brand because they've got a restaurant that's going to be opening in the bottom of one of these condos. So we as people, yeah, we might want to have a nice drink and music at Prova, but when Prova's all said and done, we want to make sure we still continue to support Brockton beer at their, at their restaurant location when they open up. And um, I'm praying and hoping that their right. menu ends up being as good as their drinks. Cause I'm not a drinker. I drink. I can tell you exactly when I drink football season comes, I have one hard cider during the game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink. I don't drink much. I'm a complete lightweight. Okay. So when I went down to Prover and saw Brockton Beer, and I had one <laughs> of their, um, they had a water. It was called Seawater, Kiwi Seawater. And the dude's like, "Yeah, this is good. Okay. It's got like this much out." And I said, "Okay." I drank half a cup, and I was like, "Oh, I was tipsy <laughs> on half a cup." So I'm a lightweight, but so that means it was good. <laughs> oh man, it was real good. So right. uh, it was good stuff. But again, yeah. So do you have any fundraisers or um? events coming up for fundraising i know most people are getting out the gate right now they're starting to put together these fundraising events i know mike smith had one last week Edo had one coming up uh mayor uh sullivan he had his so do you have one coming up that you want to get out there to everybody Absolutely. So a part of uh, my day-to-day business is I'm an accountability coach and I specialize in marketing. So I've actually done all of the marketing for my campaign outside of the direct printing and communications. So a big shout out to Prospect Hill um, Printing for their union printer and they've printed out uh, all of my palm cards and uh, signs. uh, And I do have an upcoming event, which is going to be Wednesday, August 25th at 5 p.m. It's going to be at the Holiday Inn Express, which is at 405 Westgate Drive in the area of the mall. Um, we are asking people to RSVP on my website, which is votebrienichols.com. And that's V-O-T-E-B-R-I-N-I-C-H-O-L-S.com. We also have other ways to support. You can go to votebrienichols.com and purchase merchandise for our campaign. All proceeds go to the campaign uh, minus production costs, as well as if you're on social media media and you follow me, we're asking for a dollar from every follower. Um, so we have several campaigns run that if 
you Google me, Bree Nichols, or visit my website or go to any of my social media, uh, you can now find access to all of that information. And I do invite pe people to call my number 781-786-8303. Um, that doesn't just you know go into play if I'm elected. That's something that I'm open and available to doing now. So um, please do reach out to me if you have any questions about what I'm standing for. Nice, nice, nice. I want to thank Bree Nichols for coming on this show. What I'm going to do here is I'm going to take a quick, actually, I don't, so I'm, I'm going to take us to a segment. Um, Are You Serious is my segment. Every now and then I'll find a video online and I'll just say, are you serious that this happened? Um, this video you all are about to watch when we take a break here is a New York City transit guy who is uh, confronting an elderly woman, one of these patriots um because she has a mask on on the new york city transit train which you were here in boston area you know that if you're on transit you're supposed to wear a mask and uh it this is a tough watch and then i'll talk to you guys after this and then we'll be able to get out of here um brie uh, where'd she go <laughs> so um, hopefully she'll come back while i'm off the air and we can we can close up and make sure up oh, there you go yes sorry about that the zoom timed out and then came back in and i'm like right at the good part <laughs> <laughs> so real quick before i let you go um just again how they can follow you you gave your number up but just again your website Yes. So please uh, visit votebreenichols.com. Google me, Bree Nichols, B-R-I-N-I-C-H-O-L-S. Or you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at votebreenichols. Thank you all for having me tonight. Cool. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Here's that segment I was talking about. Are you serious? New York, are you soft? How did nobody in New York come to this woman's defense? Because I'm letting you know right now, if I'm on the orange line on my way to North Station for a game to the Fleet Center, and I see this dude talking to this woman like this on the on the T, if I go over there to confront him, and if he tells me to go sit the F down on this whole Patriot 1776 stuff. I'm sorry, but he's getting knocked out. <laughs> he's, he's taking a seat <laughs> against his will. <laughs> For real. I don't know how the hell somebody in New York that y'all in New York getting soft, man. This dude would have caught a beat down. They would have caught a beat down in old school New York. It threw him off the train at the next stop. Tell the cops to arrest his ass. But again, are you serious? Features this gentleman here. Crazy, crazy stuff. So, hey, guys, it's time to get out of here. 
Check out my Sinister One beanies. Um, I'm going to be putting a new order in for these beanies. So if you want to order some, you want to get on there. I want to appreciate everybody who's been buying the beanies and supporting the beanie brand of Sinister One Productions. Good stuff here. And also remember, Sinister One Productions also produces and has helped create um, podcasts such as Oscar Mike Radio, Maddie C Sports for You and Me, Drafting the Circuits, um, also helping produce with... Happy Hour with Lido featuring Kevin Jeffries and Talk Back with Gloria Shea on Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock. So you want to make sure to check her out. The Sinister One Productions brand, you know, I usually didn't talk about it and stuff, but it, it's here. It's in your face. And Oscar Mike Radio just celebrated their fifth year. So big ups to Travis Partington, as you guys again can see. I mentioned it earlier. Oscar Mike Radio hat as he recovers from his knee rehab that's going on. And um, that's it. That's it for the show. I can't wait. I'm heading out with my son to see the Philadelphia Eagles take on the Patriots at Lincoln Financial Field in Philly. We're driving out on Thursday morning, and I can't wait. I'm pretty psyched about it. Rocky versus Rocky 2. And um, thank you, everyone, for coming in the chat. Other than that, uh, Rob Resnick, thank you for coming on the show. Mike Smith, Ward 4 candidate, thank you for coming on the show. SpongeBob, do me a favor and take me home. Well... See you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to The Booth on Hoobazoo and HatcherRadio.com. Please follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. The Booth is a Sinister One production hosted by Sinister One. I've got to start hanging out with friends that are a little more intelligent and understand politics and stuff. It's just that I'm up on this level up here and all my friends are down here. Me, nah. You guys, nah. Maybe a little more down, down in here. Screw you guys, I'm going home. I smoke, I drink, I do my thing. These bitches hating, so you know I got to make it plain. Don't do cocaine with your chick, my main. We stick together, true forever, yeah, you know we bang. I miss those days, which was easy. If only I made it, bitch, don't repeat. Now that I done upgraded, I've been upstate, and y'all think I'm playing. And I got to hit now for these weak assholes who think I ain't slaying. Try me, try me, and I'll probably end up laughing because I never back down. I'm that chick with a clean-ass whip. I don't need that shit, because I got my own now. I get hurt, I get tired of fussing, fighting, guess I gotta crack down. Don't mess with me, cause on everything, I'ma have to bring the whole city out. W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O, that's your website, enter your website, enter your website, enter your website.